You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Cognitive behavioral therapy has been shown to be extremely effective in disorders, anything from insomnia to chronic pain. Just what is cognitive therapy? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is the president of the Association for Addiction Professionals, Dr. Sharon Freeman. She also maintains an active clinical practice as executive director of the Center for Brief Therapy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Dr. Freeman, most of us really don't know anything about cognitive therapy. Please teach us what we need to know. I would be glad to. I'm very excited about being a cognitive therapist. I was trained through the Academy of Cognitive Therapy. If you would like to know more about it, you can go to the internet, www.academyofct.org. The cognitive therapy has been around since 1979. Dr. Aaron Beck developed it, and basically it's a process of educating an individual, developing skills, and then problem-solving. Short-term, very active, and structured. With the patient, we're goal-oriented, collaborative, more of a coaching, mentoring style, and we have homework that is assigned at the end of each session, mostly experiments where we develop things to try together in a very collaborative way, and the individual will go out, try it, and then come back and let us know how that worked. If it didn't seem to go well, we will try something else and, again, bring it back and then grade it and see if that seemed to help whatever the situation is. A lot of exploration, a lot of checking in with the patient, a very genuine relationship, respectful, trust-building. It works very quickly. Uh, We move very rapidly, and as a result, we see results. Usually by the end of the first session, we are noticing that the patient has made some movement right away. What does make it different from other kinds of therapy? Well, given that it's a very here-and-now approach, we're dealing with, you know, what is it that is making life difficult for you right now? And that is very critical, that we want to focus on the pieces of your life right now that we can change. And often patients will come in to my office and they will begin this archaeological dig of their past because that might be what they've been socialized to in other psychotherapies that they need to talk about, well, you know, I was born in 1964 and I have three brothers and, you know, this is my aunt and so on. Well, I don't need all of that. All I need is what's going on right now I might get a little bit of history of the family, if there's been alcoholism in the family, if you were raised by a violent parent, et cetera. And then, you know, I want to know what's going on right now. Let's see what we can do to fix it. And what is your view of that? The major difference, I think, between cognitive therapy and other therapies is that we want to know the individual's view of their situation. Just because, for example, someone was physically abused as a child, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've been traumatized. 
Other therapists find that very unsettling. However, there are individuals that shake it off and say, you know, it was really awful. I really wish it wouldn't have happened to me. I've learned that he was a sick man or she was an ill woman and has her problems and I've dealt with it, I've gone on with it, and I'm okay. So if that's the patient's view, you have to respect it. And that's unusual. Many times therapists will say, oh, no, 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 you know, you had this happen. You can't be okay. And that doesn't respect the patient. If indeed there are pieces that are left over, the patient will come back to it and will say at some later point, okay, you know, I didn't want to deal with that then. I want to deal with it now. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sharon Freeman. We are discussing cognitive therapy. Now, Dr. Freeman, how can this sort of work be translated by physicians in their busy practices? Is, is there anything that you can teach them how they can use this in their practice? Let me give you a very quick example. Have you ever looked at your schedule for the day and you see that patient on your schedule? And you look at it and you already begin to say, oh my gosh, I hope he cancels. A cognitive therapist, upon hearing that, might work with you to come up with maybe a different formulation of working with that patient, of maybe making it a challenge, helping you come up with some other frame of mind with that, developing a different skill, looking at this patient from a different direction. So that's one piece that if you were developing some cognitive therapy skills for yourself, you may choose to look at this from a different perspective and then move forward with it in some problem-solving ways. With a patient, for example, you probably have known one or two in your lifetime that has health fears, that they're in more often than they need, than they need to be in with another complaint, another fear, another worry, I've got a bump here, I've got a bump there, I've got a pain here, I've got a pain there, and there's never anything wrong, or it's minor, and you're just like, I don't have time for this. I've got 50 other people that really do have problems. So with that particular patient, something you might do is instead of saying, you know, you're fine, you're going to be okay, don't worry about it, you know, when you come in, I know you get worried, but, you know, it's fine. The patient's not going to believe that because they have a health anxiety. So they're just going to keep coming in and coming in and coming in. With that kind of an individual, what might be helpful is a, is a different approach. Given they have an anxiety, is maybe talking out loud during the exam, as an example. Uh, trying a different way of dealing with them is anxious people tend to breed anxiety. So given that their anxiety might make you more anxious, so you talk faster, talk slower, and say out loud everything you're doing. Oh, I'm listening to your heart. Everything is sounding very clear. Here, this is what the sound is like. Now I'm going to move to your lungs. And you just talk out loud through the whole visit very calmly, very quietly. And that way, the patient might feel more a part of what's going on. And, and so you're doing something a little bit differently. There's different 
skill sets that might be involved. And it's a way of involving the patient and asking them, was this more helpful to you than the last time I talked to you? What is it that I can do to help you feel less anxious? And using those kind of questions while you're talking in the same time frame that you usually use and having the patient be allowed to answer those questions during the exam with a slower voice might be enough to calm them and not take any more time. Great. Now, how about in terms of dealing with family members? Does cognitive therapy have any place there? Oh, absolutely. There are several books written on family therapy by Frank Dottilio, who is an excellent psychologist out of Harvard University. And with family members, the same techniques work. Again, it's basically doing a lot of educating, finding some skills that either the individual or the family can build upon and developing some problem solving and then have them go out and test the new skills. Not just looking at things through rose-colored glasses, it's actually giving them hope that they might try something new and that you're giving them the opportunity to look for a new skill through the questions you're asking, or you're having them remember something that they did before that was helpful. Do you remember last summer, Mrs. Smith, how when you planted those tulips, it really was something that gave you pleasure and you really calmed down and and you really liked doing that? I wonder if you've planted your tulips yet this year. You're distracting and you're giving them their skill that they've already used and and that's been something that was very calming for them. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sharon Freeman. We are discussing cognitive therapy. Are there particular disorders that cognitive therapy works well on? Cognitive therapy has actually been proven to work with over 300 disorders, including pain disorders, anxiety disorders, insomnia, different types of depressions, bipolar disorders, excellent for marriage counseling. So right now, there, it can be adapted to almost every disorder and or used as a supplement for medical disorders to help patients adapt to those disorders. I had a, a patient in my office this morning was referred to me by a orthopedic department at the hospital. She's had multiple back surgeries and now has severe chronic back pain, failed back syndrome. And she was in tears. She was absolutely crying and is embarrassed she's being referred to a shrink. She feels that her life is over. She was very physically fit. She comes from a family that's very physically fit. Her husband's an athlete. Her children are athletes. And she feels her life is over as she knew it. And through the course of the single session, she rated her pain at the beginning of the session as a 10. Through the course of the session, I found a moment where I was talking with her and began to elicit empowering moments in her life and how she could translate that at home currently. And as she was talking about how she was going to go home and make her 15-year-old son do the laundry because he's not helping her, and she was coming up with ways to make him do the laundry, 
she looked confident and empowered and like she was going to take on the world. And I had her stop mid-sentence and rate her pain. And she said, wow, it's only a six. So doing things like that to give a patient hope that changing the way she behaves and thinks can actually affect her pain, she said, that's the first time I've had hope that I might be able to get better. And it was really very helpful for her in that one session to feel like she could change her life. Well, this has been very helpful today. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Sharon Freeman. We have been discussing how to use cognitive therapy in your practice. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.